Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of conversations about law practice. Each week, we talk with legal entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 252 of the Lawyers Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Vanessa Van Edwards about charisma and awkwardness. <laughs> that was very awkward. Nice work. <laughs> Thanks. By the way, if today's podcast resonates with you and you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, get the first chapter right now for free at lawyers.com slash book. Today's podcast is brought to you by PwC Insights Officer, Alert Communications, SaneBox, and Ross Intelligence. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned. We'll tell you more about them later on. Hey, Stephanie. What's this new accelerator thing you're working on? Yeah, it's super exciting. And so I'm glad to come on and tell everyone about it. We've designed a new shortened, you know, 10-week coaching program that's going to be super focused on helping lawyers attract and convert the right ideal clients for their practice. Very cool. So the way I've been describing it to people, and I'm going to tell you this, and hopefully you don't just cringe, but like lab is for firms that are in a position to work on their business, right? Like they both want to be doing this. They have some of the structural stuff in place to do it. They're scoring maybe a C on the scorecard. So they're kind of in the right place to be taking advantage of a program like that. Accelerator is for people who want to be in the right place, but aren't yet, or at least aren't ready to commit to lab yet, I think, right? Yeah. Or maybe they just really need to jumpstart their marketing. I mean, the reason we called it Accelerator is it's like, let's get this thing moving and moving in the right direction and get some money coming in. And it's going to be the first of the year. So it felt like the right time to really help people focus on this. And we're going to be super targeted and structured in the way we deliver the program. So each week, you're going to learn a new concept, get homework, implement that homework, get feedback on that homework. Um, you're going to have opportunities for some group coaching calls. We're going to do role playing. We're going to practice. We're going to do all the things. So it's going to be for an online experience. It's also going to be really interactive with our team. And I'm really excited about it. So it's 1500 bucks, right? And it's a 90 yep. day program. Yeah. 10 weeks. Very cool. Very close. I think there's a couple of like catch up weeks built into that too, right? Uh, there It's work. I mean, yeah. you'll have the opportunity to complete it in more than 10 weeks if you need it to. I see. But it's designed to give you something to do actionable each and every week. I've been telling people, you know, if you're ready to commit about two or three hours a week of working on your business, working specifically on creating a strategic marketing plan and implementing it, then, you know, come check it out and do this with me. I feel comfortable saying that if you commit to this program, it will more than pay for itself. Oh, That's yeah. the idea. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, my hope is that it would actually pay for it plus a year of lab plus plus, right? So that it would be a no brainer if you did this and then you wanted to join us for lab, you'd be all ready to go for the year. And as this gets uh, pushed out, it's going to be Thanksgiving. So we decided to experiment and we're going to do a Cyber Monday special. Very cool. <laughs> when does that kick off? Yeah. So anyone who registers for this by Cyber Monday, which is December 2nd, is going to have an opportunity to do a special group coaching call with me in December on strategic planning for 2020. So a little bit extra. Yeah. Where do people go to sign up for it? They they can head over to lawyers.com slash accelerator. Fantastic. So do that. Check that out. Now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with TC Whitaker from PwC Insights Officer and then my conversation with Vanessa. 
Hi, everyone. T.C. Whitaker, CEO of PwC Insights Officer. Looking forward to speaking with you. Hey, T.C., welcome back. So last time we talked about efficiency and process and technology, and this time you were saying that if your books aren't right and you're not billing on time, maybe you're not lazy, maybe you've got bad data. What do you mean by that? So what oftentimes happens is we start to see the symptoms of the underlying what's really going on underneath that there will be certain symptoms that will start to pop up. And those symptoms oftentimes are, I can't get my financial statements. I don't know where these things are, or, you know, I just can't get my bills out on time. We're trying and we're trying to do the right things and make all this happen. But these are simply just symptoms of oftentimes a much bigger problem that's going on underneath. It's oftentimes not seen. It's like the blinking uh, zeros on the VCR, right? For our older listeners. You got it. It's hard, so you don't do it. <laughs> That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And so underneath all of this, what happens oftentimes is that we get bad data in the wrong places. None of our systems talk to each other. We can't move this data seamlessly across the entirety of our business or the entirety of our firm. The result of this is that certain things don't work right in our firm. And all of a sudden, one thing breaks down over here and we can't get our financial records. And another thing breaks down over here and we can't get bills sent out on time. And what's really going on is something much more deeper underneath the surface of, do we even have the right systems and processes and things in place so that this data that pushes and drives all of this stuff inside of our firm can enable us to do these things like send out bills on time or produce our financial records at the end of a period, at the end of a month or a quarter. So you're talking about the importance of the infrastructure, really, but also you have to know what your data is, right? And and that leads us to talk about key performance indicators or KPIs, but not just any, right? It's more about the right ones at the right time. That's exactly right, Sam. And I am probably one of the most bizarre CPAs on the planet. And that I <laughs> am- more about that. <laughs> I am on a mission, okay? I am traveling the country. I am on a mission for these small business owners to kill their financial statements, okay? Everyone thinks, I need to look at my P&L and I need to look at my balance sheet and please do not look at a cash flow statement. Yeah. No one outside of CPAs understand how to read these things anyway. These things are completely useless to business owners. If you want only rear view mirror facing metrics, look at your financial statements because that's all that's going to tell you is what's happened behind you. And what I think is when you're running a small law firm, what you need to be doing is looking at the KPIs and metrics, which are going to tell you what's over the hill, what's coming around the next corner so that we can start to make really good business decisions about what we should do next versus just looking completely in the past. Here's what I did last quarter. Here's what I did last year. These things are just not helpful for the real management of the firm. KPIs are canaries, right? What you're trying to do is not tell the story of what went wrong, but you're trying to forecast what is going to go wrong based on how these numbers are trending and give you enough time to fix it. That's exactly right. And with correctly set KPIs and not a whole bunch of them, but a few that are very pointed on the right things, when you look at those and stay abreast of those and measure those, they can actually help you on the predictive side. We're talking about this obviously because Insights Officer, your product, can help lawyers with automated billing and bookkeeping and insights like KPIs and gathering those things and presenting them. So listeners, if you'd like to learn more about how Insights Officer can help your firm with automated bookkeeping, billing insights, and KPI tracking, visit insightsofficer.com to learn more. Thanks so much, TC. See you again. Thanks, Sam.
I'm so happy to be here. My name is Vanessa Van Edwards, and I'm an author of the best-selling book, Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People, and I run Science of People, a human behavior research lab. Welcome, Vanessa. Thanks so much for coming. So I'm familiar with you primarily by watching your TED Talks where you talk about what almost feels like sort of body language hacking or brain hacking mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. interaction. Is that is that an okay way to describe it? Yeah. You know, I love the word hacking. So I would say like behavior <laughs> hacking, body language hacking, communication hacking. I've always liked shortcuts, right? Like yeah. thinking about, okay, what's the fastest way that I can be more charismatic or be more successful? And that doesn't mean it doesn't require hard work. It just means that it's the most efficient way. Are you primarily a, an educator, a speaker, a teacher, or is there a consulting aspect to what you do too? Mostly it's educating, teaching, writing, researching. I don't really do any consulting, although I do corporate speaking, but that's also mm -hmm. pretty much like teaching from stage. Sure. So when you say charisma, it's funny, you know, we talk in the business world more lately about emotional intelligence and empathy and things like that. And the word charisma doesn't come up a whole lot, it feels like. So explain what that is and why it's something that you focus on. Yeah. You know, charisma is this really interesting personality trait. It's sort of like the mysterious girl of personality traits. And the mm -hmm. reason for that, we were actually doing a research study in our lab and it was about something totally different. It was about personality, but we had two questions in our study that brought up a new puzzle. And the first question was, who is the most charismatic person, you know, mm. and immediately people were able to answer. They could just think of it. Oh, my, my dad, my boss, my sister, my teacher, they just could answer that question right away. The second question is where it got more interesting. So right after that, we asked, what is charisma? And this question, it was so funny people immediately got less confident and they would mm. say things like, well, you know, it's that feeling. And they would inevitably bring up that charismatic person again. Right. And I realized- it's that person. <laughs> yeah, it's that person. <laughs> and I realized charisma is one of the only traits that we know the moment we see it, but we have a very hard time defining it. Yeah. And I thought that's a puzzle. So when you actually look at the charisma research, and when you look at, there's some really interesting research done by Harvard Business School, where they found that there are two traits that we use to immediately judge people. And the two traits we use are warmth and competence. And this is surprising because if you were to ask most people, when you make a first impression, what traits do you think you, you show first? Most people will say things like trust. They'll say things like confidence. They'll say things like power. And those are all secondary, but actually the very first thing we're looking at is warmth, which is, can, am I safe with you? Are you friend or foe? Very, hmm. very quickly first. The second thing we're looking at is competence. Can I believe you? Are you capable? Gotcha. And so that framing is actually the definition, my definition of charisma, that charisma is the perfect blend of warmth and competence. Hmm. That very, very highly charismatic people, in my opinion, when you look at them, they come across as extremely approachable, trustworthy, friendly, warm, at the same time as very capable, powerful, confident, competent. Like this person can handle themselves, but they're not going to hurt me. Exactly. And by the way, <laughs> this is really important because, uh, you know, I work with a lot of attorneys mm -hmm. and a lot of the time they have just one of these. So they'll focus a lot on their competence. So if you think about charisma, like a scale, and I, whenever anyone comes into my lab or in my courses, I make them place themselves in the charisma scale. If you think of charisma right in the middle, warmth is on the left, competence is on the right. 
most of my attorneys or very professional clients will put themselves very high into competence. And that's good. But the problem is, is if you're just competent without the warmth, people see you as cold, intimidating, hard to talk to. You have team members that won't open up to you. You might have people who keep something from you or don't give you all the information. Uh, You might have trouble connecting with people personally. And so it's really important that we balance out our competence with warmth. And on the other side, if you're very high in the warm side, for example, I work with many people in HR or marketing who might fall a little higher on the warmer side, and they have the opposite problem. They have the problem of they're constantly interrupted. Hmm. People forget having met them before. Hmm. People never remember their name. When they have an idea, people don't really take them seriously. Now, people are, they verbal vomit all over them. They tell them all their problems. You're my best friend. They want to bond, <laughs> right. but they can't be taken seriously. And so my goal is finding that balance, that sweet spot of always making sure you're hitting both of them. Cause I think that's what highly charismatic is. So you're talking about these things as if they can be taught. And so I'm guessing that you think that's true, that we can learn, you know, if we lack warmth, we can learn how to be a, a warmer person. And if we lack competence, then I guess there's no hope for us. But um, <laughs> is, that, is that real? Can we actually learn it and it and make it not feel contrived or fake? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. I would not be able to do what I do if we couldn't learn it. <laughs> my entire job is basically teaching people how to be more authentically charismatic. That's my mm-hmm. entire job. And what's really interesting about it is I like to joke that I'm a recovering awkward person. <laughs> and I'm still very much in recovery. There are certain places and people that make me feel very awkward and very uncomfortable. And so I've had to manually learn the soft skills or the people skills to warm myself up, to overcome my awkwardness. And the biggest struggle I had was all the people skills books and courses and frameworks I had ever seen, like quintessential how to win friends and influence people, right? Like anything Dale Carnegie, they were always so amazing, but I had a really hard time putting them to practice. And I realized that for a long time, Every social skills book or every charisma book was written by an extrovert. And the hard part about this is, is naturally born extroverts who are naturally charismatic have a really hard time teaching non-natural born extroverts and non-naturally charismatic people (laughs) Yeah, how to be charismatic. So they say things like, be interested to be interesting. (laughs) Now that's a great quote, but what does it mean? Mm -hmm. What does that actually mean in practice? Or they say things like, just be yourself. Or they say things like, just be more authentic. If you're not an extrovert, if you're very awkward or very uncomfortable in your own skin, which was me for a long time, that advice confounded me. I did not understand it. And so my goal was to try to figure out ways that we could teach soft skills in a hard skill way. Was there a science behind soft skills? Could we figure out how to learn charisma, learn how to be with people without having to fake being an extrovert? Longtime podcast listeners and lawyerist readers know that Sam and I get pretty excited about email productivity tips, but we know that most people don't have the time or energy to be email productivity nerds like us. So it's great that SameBox will take care of fixing your inbox for you. I've used SameBox for a while now, and it automatically organizes your incoming email into smart folders so you don't have to be overwhelmed by a busy inbox and don't have to see important client emails next to junky coupon offers, distracting you from the work you need to do. Best yet, SameBox learns with you, so if you find it puts something in the wrong folder, just move it, and SameBox will automatically learn your preference. It also has nifty features like Sane Black Hole, where you can drag messages from annoying senders you never want to hear from again. It's so simple, you won't need to learn anything to use it. It just takes care of everything itself. 
SaneBox works directly with every single email server or service that has ever been created, so it will definitely work for you. Get a free two-week trial and a $25 credit by visiting SaneBox.com slash Lawyerist today. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Lawyerist. With Ross Intelligence, lawyers conducting legal research leverage AI to get to the heart of legal issues fast. Ask a query in natural language on the Ross Legal Research Platform, and Ross will return on-point case law. Attorney Jonathan Udoka says he's able to use Ross as though it were a first-year associate doing top-flight legal research. At $89 a month, Ross is not only fast and intuitive, it's also affordable. See what Ross can do. Go to rossintelligence.com lawyerist today and get a 14-day free trial. Use the promo code lawyerist for 10% off your first-year subscription. A legal-only call center, Alert Communications has been helping law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake for over 50 years. Alert responds to and captures all leads for your law firm efficiently using their highly trained intake specialists and software solutions. They work 24-7, 365 as an extension of your law firm in both English and Spanish. Alert strives to set best practice standards within the mass tort legal community by using ethical ideals, in turn elevating the quality of client services and earning the trust of attorneys. To find out how Alert can increase your mass tort or class action lead conversion rates, call 844-MY-INTAKE or find them at alertcommunications.com. Are there gender implications to this? It feels like by saying you have to be warm and competent, it seems like that is relevant to the double standard that we often hold women leaders to where you know, you're either a bitch or a pushover. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering how what you've learned, what you're studying has to say interacts with that problem. Well, what's interesting is when you think about gender, it's actually what's important there is thinking about your default. Mm. So women tend to default to warmth for a lot of different reasons. Social constructs, women have been taught often from a young age to get along, be nice and be liked. And so they tend to dial up their warmth from a very young age. It's also modeled to them. And also fundamentally, mothers are women. Right. Mm-hmm. Not all women are mothers, but all mothers are women. Um, and so because of that, we just tend to think of women as more nurturing, as more higher on the warm side. That's actually not a bad thing, but it's really important for women to know, ah, just because of my gender, I'm going to have more points in the warm column. So if I want to be seen as competent, I might have to work a little harder. Whereas men tend to default to competence because from a younger age, they've often been taught, get ahead, be powerful, win. And so they might have also learned or been modeled to them more competence behaviors that comes a little bit more naturally to them. That's not a bad thing. It just means that when a man wants to come across as warmer, he might have to do a few more things than a woman. I suppose there might be some subjective biases in your audience that you might need to overcome. If you're a woman, you're going to get a presumption of warmth, maybe. And if you're a man, maybe you're going to get a presumption of competence. Exactly. So I know that when I walk into a room, simply because I'm a woman and I'm also a mother, especially if it's apparent that I'm a mother, like when I was pregnant, my warmth I knew was off the charts. If I walk onto a big stage with a pregnant belly, which I did for a lot of my pregnancy, I knew that I was so high on the warm side, I would really have to prove my competence. Hmm. And during that stage, when I was on stages, very, very pregnant or doing any kind of workshops, I started off with statistics and figures and accolades and social proof. 
Hmm. because I needed that to increase my competence, at least in my first impression. So I think that what we have to realize is this is a dynamic scale. And if you have a bad day, for example, one of the exercises I love to do with my students, which maybe we can do now is where do you think you fall? So can you think, Sam, where do you fall? Do you have any inclination? Are you warmer or more competent? Uh, I hope I'm relatively balanced, um, but I'm probably skewed towards competence maybe? Yes, I would totally agree. You're very charismatic and I would agree you skew a little high on the competence side, which is good because of what you do. (laughs) It's true. So here's my next question, which is a little harder and I hope I'm not getting too personal. And this is what I want everyone listening to think about. In your fear mode or when you're triggered by a person who annoys you or a difficult person, or you're in an environment that isn't your favorite, what do you do? Do you slide up into competence where you become a know-it-all or begin to talk about your credentials or you try to be more impressive and press and press and press? Or do you dial into warmth where you get, and this is very common for females, for both genders, you become more submissive, you go into appeasement, you try to be more likable. For women, sometimes you giggle or you bobblehead. Those are some nonverbal cues. Yeah. What happens in your fear mode? Do you have any inkling? I'm going to give you a weird answer because... As many of our listeners have heard, because I'm talking about it, I recently started taking anti-anxiety medication. And before I started taking it, I would have told you that I would frequently get flooded with fear and I Mm -hmm. would almost always go into competence mode. Mm -hmm. And since taking it and having a really great experience, getting really lucky with my first round of medication, it basically removed my anxiety. And now I have a tendency towards warmth. Wow. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. That's really, really interesting. And that's also... I'm also a lot less likely to get that fear flooding, but yeah. Exactly. Right. So your, your tolerance is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. So what I invite listeners to think about is not only where you fall naturally, but like who triggers you, yeah. what triggers you, and what do you do in that case? Like, for example, I had a client that I was working with who would kind of get braggy. Like if he was uncomfortable, especially like holiday parties or places where he felt like, you know, he didn't know people in the room, he would brag and he would boast and kind of be a show off. And that is not his personality at all. That's not his personality at all, but it was extremely unlikable and it was hurting his client relationships. And he now recognize that we kind of, I was gently able to call his attention to it. Did you like role play and things or? I went to a party with him and watched him and saw that's what happened. (laughs) And, you know, so I gently called that out for him and he was like, oh, that's because I'm afraid. I'm afraid no one's going to remember me. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid no one's going to take me seriously. And I was like, look, if you brag and boast, I can guarantee you people will remember you you're right. You are solving that problem, but it's not going to be for the right reasons. And he was like, absolutely. And so I was like, let's work on a recognizing when that happens. So being like, Ooh, I'm being triggered. And then second, what is something you can do that is not bragging or boasting that makes you feel memorable? And what we settled on is telling really funny stories. So he's a great storyteller. He's a really funny guy. And I was like, you know, what's way better at a holiday party instead of bragging about your accomplishments, your accolades, just make people laugh right? Mm -hmm. Tell a funny story. You like it. They like it. It's an easier way to kind of tickle that feeling. It's not saying just don't do it. And that's the hard part is when we're talking about behavior change, it's almost impossible to tell someone don't think of the pink elephant because you think of the pink elephant. So if I say don't brag and boast, it doesn't serve you and you don't replace it with anything. It's almost impossible to stop the behavior. So if you're thinking about a behavior that you do, don't say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Say, I'm going to do this instead because that serves me more. Yeah. Be uh, proactive, not just negative about it. 
Very cool. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we had Chris Voss on a while back and he, you know, is a former hostage negotiator and he had some like ninja tricks for (laughs) negotiations from watching your Ted talk, from reading more about you. I think you probably have some ninja tricks too. And I'm wondering if you'd share some of those with us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So my first like favorite ninja trick is to try to match and mirror the scale of someone else. Hmm. And they've actually done a study and I believe it was with 3,871 liters. That is a massive sample size, by the way, if you ever see. Excellent memory as well, if you've got that right. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was that. That was a number I just taught this study yesterday for a workshop. (laughs) They studied all these leaders and they found the most successful leaders were flexible in their leadership style. And that was a surprise. It used to be believed that like, to be a leader, you have to um, you know, find your style and stick with it and be really constant. But they actually found as the most successful leaders are really competent, say, in front of the boardroom, pitching on their you know, weekly call. Mm-hmm. But they're very warm in a one-on-one with their main lead or with the new hire. And so um, my secret hack for you is, it's actually not secret, my favorite hack for you is think about where you are on the scale. But then when you're with someone, think about where they are on the scale and see if you can dial up to match them. Gotcha. So if you sit down with someone and they are um, smiling a lot, they're more bubbly, they're asking, how's your family? How is your weekend? Anything for the holidays? They're in the warm side of the scale. And that's when, even if you have an agenda, you have a lot of stuff to talk about, your client, and you have a lot of stuff to get through, you're best served actually starting with a little bit of warmth and asking them back, warming them up, telling a personal story, smiling back, mirroring and matching before getting into that competence side. That way, it's a really respectful way of meeting someone where they're at. Is there a corollary to that where if you notice that the person you're with is clearly feeling awkward? Is there a way to reassure them? Is, is mirroring the answer to that? Or is there a way to, or like maybe they're being awkward and it's coming off as really off-putting. Is there a way to try and turn that around? So it's a funny question you ask, and I'm just laughing because that is me usually. Like I'm <laughs> usually the awkward person. Um, and um, there's two choices you have of someone, you can tell they're nervous, you can tell they're awkward, you can tell they're uncomfortable. And you, you do whichever feels right for you. The first choice is you share a vulnerability too. So you let them know that you've also been so nervous or you're also having a hard day or you also get really anxious about certain things, right? Like that vulnerability to share, can someone feel like, I'm not the only one? If you don't actually feel that, then you can't share that, right? Because you want to be, make sure you're being genuine. The other option you have is, and this is going to sound crazy, completely ignore their awkwardness. Like you don't even notice it's happening. Mm. That can be the greatest gift to an awkward person. And I'll give you a really specific example. So when I'm feeling really awkward, I will sometimes uh, skip over my words. I talk really fast. Um, So I have to like fix my flub or, um, you know, slow down to enunciate a little bit more properly. The greatest gift that someone can give me is to just roll with me. Right. Like they just, yep, I got you. I'm following you. Yep. Absolutely. That makes total sense. When I've just made a mistake and someone says, after I've gotten through it and someone just says to me, oh, got it on the same page, totally makes sense. I'm like, (laughs) and so ignoring it can actually be much better than highlighting it or making them feel worse about it. Very cool. That seems really helpful. Vanessa, I wish we had more time. I know you've got a super busy schedule and I don't want to cramp your day, but I really appreciate this introduction to your work. I can't wait to read Captivate myself. I haven't had a chance yet and I will definitely be sharing the link with our listeners. So yeah, yeah. I hope you love it. This actually, everything we talked about today isn't even in Captivate. I didn't even get to my charisma science in the book. So it's all, (laughs) 
it's it's all it would be all new content. So I hope you love it. Very cool. <laughs> well, I feel like I really want to read it. So thanks for giving us the introduction. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Are you interested in implementing the ideas you've heard on today's podcast into your law firm? Could you use a little help? Hey guys, it's Stephanie, the VP of Community Success here at Lawyers, and I'd love to help you tackle your business or take it to the next level. Head over to go.lawyerist.com backslash start to sign up for a quick call with me, and let's talk about how Lawyerist can help you create your best law firm. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast app. And please leave a rating to help other people find our show. You can find the notes for today's episode on lawyerist.com slash podcast. The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Paul Fisher. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.